Welcome to the Transformation Church Weekly Follow-Up Podcast. Our goal is to help create context and drive conversation to learn more of what God has for us. Now, let's join our team as we get to follow up, break down, and gain deeper insight into this week's message. Hey, welcome back to the Transformation Church Weekly Follow-Up Podcast. I am Justin Oswald, Executive Pastor of Transformation Church, along with our lead pastor, Brad Livingston. What's up, guys? It's uh, good to be back. Another week, another sermon, another follow-up podcast. Mm -hmm. And uh, we love all of you. All you listeners, you're awesome. And uh, we got some awesome things that are coming up uh, towards the end of this year. And uh, most of them are for you guys. So different things we're excited about here at TC. And one of the things that we're very excited about here at TC is the series that we're in right now, um, Authentic Flourishing. It's been really, really good. Yep. And so had a great day this past week, man. We got to celebrate um, one uh, child dedication uh, in our first service, uh, Little Emma, which is awesome. And then we had six people baptized on yes. uh, Sunday and uh, great celebration, man. It was. As uh, six people made the public proclamation uh, with their life that they belong to Christ. And so, man, it was a great day, a great celebration. It was an awesome time. It was good. Um, I felt like I got hit by a bus on Sunday. Yeah, you were sick. <laughs> I was extremely sick on Sunday, but we uh, tried our best not to let anyone know that. Um, I didn't even really notice Yeah, in, well, the, in the sermon. Yeah, it was, yeah. So, uh, so some people knew because they caught me in between services or uh, all that stuff. But anyways, all that to say, it was a great day. And uh, thank God that um, in his mercy, he gives us strength uh, and all that good stuff. And so we were able to to move with part three of our Authentic Flourishing series, uh, which is, it's all about... What is it about, Justin? Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Uh, so, yeah, good times. It is. It's all about Jesus. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it was. Uh, we we wanted to kick off part three with the idea that it's all about Jesus, and because you know, I I am, uh, I I think I am, and I will always be um, a proclaimer of the real gospel of Jesus Christ um, and not to be uh, fooled into believing into a prosperity gospel, which, <laughs> which our church, not our church, the church, capital C church the, in, in the West America. So the American church um, and oftentimes the message that comes out of the American church uh, is one of a prosperity gospel. You come to the Lord and you get all these great things. <laughs> and uh, that is not how this works. Um, that is not what the faith is. Um, as a matter of fact, if you're believing in God so that you can, or you're, you, you are being convinced or told that you are uh, going to believe in God for all the things that God can give you, um, then not only have you been preached a false gospel, but... Uh, the the conversation about whether or not you actually believe or have heard an accurate representation of the gospel enough that you could actually be saved and your eternity be secured into that gospel would it's a different conversation isn't it, it sounds like a real talk conversation <coughs> it does just yes, it does <laughs> so um, yes it does but yeah so so what we wanted to do Sunday is is uh, kind of paint a picture and, and communicate uh, clearly 
that it's all about Jesus, that what we're doing is about Christ and, and uh, even the authentically flourishing life that is available uh, to us isn't available because when we get saved, we get all these things. As a matter of fact, it's, it, there is no guarantee of all the things. What it means is when we give our life to Christ, when, when Jesus steps in and we put our faith in him and we get saved, when we commit and give our life, and when I say our life, our time, our financial resources, or and our talents, and when we give all of those things, and what we at Transformation Church believe is that we step into our purpose to make a difference, when we give all those things um, to the Lord, He then allows us to flourish because He can entrust to us resources and provision that we will then in turn redistribute as needed to accomplish the the purpose that he's called us to mm-hmm. so that's kind of what we wanted to kind of paint the picture on sunday is that it's all about jesus because even the flourishing life is about what he's going to give us for what we can do with it you know i was thinking about when you were talking about um just the prosperity gospel and uh, you know you come to jesus to get things i was thinking about how different the church is now at least in america mm-hmm to the real, the early church, like the first, the first church, like they accepted Christ and then feared for their life. Like they were like getting killed and stuff for it. And we're like, Lord, I need a new car. And then you hear this speech on TV and you'll get a BMW. if you. It's just so different. Yeah. It it really is. You know, it's, uh, I sat in a teaching one time by Jason Upton and it's, it was rare because you don't, a lot of, if anyone, if you've been saved a long time, or maybe you've been in the worship world for a while, you've heard the name Jason Upton, phenomenal worship leader. Um, you don't see him as often as you used to. And, uh, but I was, had the opportunity to be in Dallas, Texas, and he led worship at one night. And then the next morning he did a, a session. And I remember him talking about, he said, he said, you know, his wife is a studier. She's, he, he said, my wife did a study and, uh, he was studying or she was studying what it meant to be chosen by God in the Old Testament. And he was saying that when you're chosen by God, <laughs> particularly in the Old Testament, it meant that uh, you may have every, like you may lose everything and everything may be gone from what you ha- like. You may lose it all your time, you know, like your, or your, your cattle, you know, your kids, your everything, <laughs> like literally you may, everything. You may be, you may have all of what you own and have in your life, and what you treasure may be stripped away for the sake of the whole, as in like the community or your, fa- you know, the the family of faith, if you will, of the Old Testament. Like you may lose everything for the benefit of the whole. It's like, and it brings a whole new like bring a whole new measure of like, choose me, God, you know, like I'll, I'll go. And it's like, will you, will you go? You know? So, and, and he, going back to what you're talking about, it's like, looks want, good on a t-shirt though. Yeah. 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 It's like, I'll go. God, choose me. It's like, all right, choosing you is going to mean, you know, you may have to suffer through or endure, you know, now do we believe that on the other side of it is, is, great things of course like I, of course we do no doubt. um but yeah man i i wonder if the you know the the church of old would look at some of the stuff that well i know they would i wonder what charles spurgeon would say 
or you know john calvin jonathan edwards like i wonder what they would say about like <laughs> like paul <laughs> yeah right <laughs> or like, or paul. like joe job's in heaven yeah like i wonder what paul or is, is he where's he at is he always. abraham's bosom or something <laughs> <laughs> i hate that word yeah, I, dude. I hate bosom? that word bosom yeah. it just i can't get down with it abraham's bosom is a serious discussion though uh, it's it sounds like one for real talk <laughs> yeah. yeah we keep dropping hints to real talk <laughs> so I'll tell y'all about it soon no but seriously yeah i mean like some of them are like paul peter all those guys you wonder if it everybody was like, they would be like what are y'all doing like out yeah. there Well, you know, I uh, I had someone. It's a friend of mine. They re they re they responded to this tweet. It's been a while since I tweeted this, but it was a thought I had. So I tweeted it as you do on Twitter. You tweet your thoughts, and a friend of mine. All of them. Me. Uh, all of them. <laughs> <laughs> all of your thoughts. Yeah, a lot of them. <laughs> um, no, but I was like, I said it was something along the lines of. The way we do church in America oh, yeah. hasn't, hasn't produced, produced very many world – the way we do church in America over the last 50 years hasn't produced very many world changers. Why not? Right. And then someone responded like, you know – I um, remember seeing that. Yeah. It was like yeah. a – you know, the problem is we shouldn't quote unquote do church. You know, and I get I get what they were saying, um, but the question still remains. Like our way of doing church hasn't produced very many world changers. Now, there are some. It's produced some, but as a whole – I mean, how many people identify as Christian, you know, and I guess you could segment that even further, like evangelicals or mainline, whatever, whatever. people that identify as Christian that believe in Jesus as Lord, Mm -hmm. a lot of them just cut through motions, man, and and that is, maybe is what it is, and we should do something to improve that as a whole, but, you know, there's not, the church as a whole isn't cranking out all these <laughs> right. people that have this even in them to be like, we're going to go change. Whether they change it or not, the desire to, it's like, well, it's, yeah. I don't think it cranks out tons of them. Well, and I think, I think it, I think it boils down to the message that, you know, that a lot of the churches are presenting. You know, I mean, you know, God, I hate to, I hate to say it by name. I'm not going to, I think this, this mentality of this mentality of, join a church or sit under a preacher that makes you feel better or preaches messages that's all about you having <laughs> your your greatest life oh, uh, real I, cryptic I, over I, there I, <laughs> <laughs> I was trying man I was trying to get around it um any I, I think I think what we've done is we've taken We've taken a gospel that has really been, as as you have said before, has really been go and tell, and it's been turned into come and see. Yeah. For example, I was talking to one of the guys in our church uh, this, let me this past week, you know, uh, and I I saw him put he put some one of his friends that I'm friends with on Facebook uh, was talking about they were going through a hard time. And he was like, man, what you really need is church in your life. And I was like, I kind of jumped in the conversation. I was like, nah, what you really need is Jesus in your life. Because yeah. I was trying, and, I, and then I talked to him. I was, I was like, church isn't the answer. Like, church isn't the answer any more than joining the fire department is the answer. Or then is working at Walmart in the answer. Or like, that. None, none of this is the 
the answer. The the institution of the church isn't the answer. Christ, Jesus is the answer. Um, now, does that is that part of His plan for us? Is that we be a part of a community of believers? And that no we, doubt, like absolutely, but properly done. But that man, like the church is not the answer. And all that to say is what we've done is we've said like, man, what is it all about? Like. It's all about what I need, what I want. We go to church services based on what makes us feel good. Yeah. We we share Facebook and Twitter and Instagram tweets and posts of pastors who are preaching sermons that directly relate to us, uh, what makes us feel good about us, and and just like trickle on down the line. It's it's become a very consumeristic type of gospel. It's not about what can I give. It's about what do I get. Yeah, um, and I think that's why. I'm going to live my best life now for a minute. And <laughs> cryptic. <laughs> no, um, it's we've mixed a lot of humanism in with the gospel. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and, and maybe that's part of just our human nature, you know. And as Americans, you know, we are a blessed America. We, we are a blessed nation. We have, we live in abundance, most of us. And, you know, yeah. You know, how many people are obese? Like, and I don't mean that negative. I'm just saying, like, we, we as a nation, we do things in almost excess, you know? Sure. And, and I, I, I wouldn't want to live anywhere else if I had my choice. So, you know, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. that being said, so maybe by the nature of having all this blessing, all this years, and all, all for, for since its start, really, but, you know, maybe that's just a product of what part of it, you know? It's like, surely. Our, it, it's, um, but yeah, there's a lot of humanism in it. It's, it's, it's about us. You yeah, know, and, and we and we weave in this, we weave in the gospel to a lot of it. Well, and I think that's the. I, I even think that's the problem, and not to get into another real talk conversation. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> but we've even. I think I think that's even why we've woven patriotism into the into yeah. our faith. Like, well, you notice it like it, when you, when you read the Bible and you read scripture and you read stories, you always think of yourself as the hero in the story, right? David and Goliath. Of course. When I, when I read that, I picture myself I want as to be David. David. Yeah, absolutely. When really we're not. No, we're the Israelites <laughs> on the other side of the right. burn, yeah. trying not to die. You know, so it's like we uh, we put ourselves as like the 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 quote unquote hero hero in all these stories. That's, yeah. that's how we view it as, you know, maybe just that's our selfish sin nature, you know, coming out. But yeah, there's a lot of humanism. I think in the in the uh, in the gospel now, you know. Yeah. And, and I get it, and that's it's it's why um, I think you need. I think these kind of discussions are healthy. You know, uh, it's not that we're sitting here bashing the church as a whole or other churches. No, because we're a part of it. We're a part of it. Yeah. I mean, the capital C church includes our us. church is a part of it. Like so, it's we don't hate it. Uh, we we want to we want to be a part of helping make it better. And you know, I think that's why it's so important to surround yourself with people and friends and believers and, and even us as pastors, other pastors. Uh, who uh, surround yourself with other pastors uh, that encourage you on the right path. And, and, you know, cause we can all get distracted, you know, we can mm-hmm. all get, you know, so to be, to, to be in those environments are, are key. And that even goes back to me. I mean, what we talked about Sunday, you know, the, the idea it's all about Jesus, you know, Christian by definition literally means like little Christ to be as Christ, like to be a Christ follower. Um, and I mean, even Jesus said like, I didn't come to to be served. I came to serve. Like, um, like I, I came to lay down my ra- life as a ransom for many. Like, he was clear throughout the scripture. Like, he was here 
to give, not to get. Mm-hmm. But the the particularly the American church and the message that continues to come out of it into other nations is that of come to Jesus so that you can get. When literally to become a Christian, meaning to become Christ-like, means to give all that you can. And so even when Sunday when we talked about it's you know, we talk about it's all about Jesus, like like as we get into the weeds of that, like it's the idea of what are you what kind of heart do you even approach Jesus with? Like when you approach the gospel, when you approach God, what kind of heart do you approach God with? Do you approach God with the heart of you owe me this because or or are we approaching the heart uh, are we approaching God with a heart of, you know, you've done so much for me and because I'm ready to give. So are we, are we going to God to get or are we going to God to give? Um, and that changes our church experience. It changes, changes our everything. faith community. It changes, you know, so when I say, when we talk about it, it's all about Jesus, it's all about our heart. Um, and our heart should reflect Christ, you know. Um, so let's get into kind of get into what we what we talked about on Sunday, Ephesians 3.20. We talked about him who is able to do immeasurably more we can think or imagine. Psalm 35.27, he has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. We've, we've kind of worked our way through those in the past. What I want to get into is John 12, 1 through 8. Um, and this is a story where, uh, where Jesus is um, having a meal. Lazarus is there and and uh, so, Justin, let's let's go verses one through four. Uh, I'm sorry, one through three, and then we'll kind of recap where we're at. Yeah, John twelve one through three. Six days before the Passover feast, Jesus went to Bethany, where Lazarus lived. Lazarus is the man Jesus raised from the dead. There they had a dinner for Jesus. Martha served the food, and Lazarus was one of the people eating with Jesus. Mary brought it in a pint of very brought in a pint of very expensive perfume made from pure nard. She poured the perfume on Jesus' feet, and then she wiped his feet with her hair. And the sweet smell of the perfume filled the whole house. Right. So here we see that uh, you know Martha, Mary, Jesus, uh, Lazarus, uh, they're there. We're going to find out there's a few more people present as well. Um, for the Passover feast, and so uh, one of the things that you you may not know is during the you know even even now they kind of hold to this, but during the Passover feast, the whole world kind of stops for that. Like it's very, um, you know, they're they're very focused on that, and um, so there's it's it's moments of I'm going to use the word intimacy, but not from a romantic standpoint of a solitude standpoint. You're really paying attention to the people that you're with. And thanking God for everything. I mean, it's kind of you know a solitude time, um, and so Mary takes uh, her perfume uh, and pours it on her feet, wipes with her hair, uh, and so let's pick up at verse four and let's keep going. Uh, Judas Iscariot, one of Jesus's followers, who would later turn against him, was there. Judas said, "This perfume was worth an entire year's wages. Why wasn't it sold and the money given to the poor?" But Judas did not really care about the poor. He said this because he was a thief. He was the one who kept the money box, and he often stole from it. Yeah, so here we have Judas come in, and uh, and so also keeping in mind, like, John doesn't pull any punches here. He's like, the one that was going to betray Jesus, right? So, uh, but he says Judas is there, and Judas is pointing out why was this money sold uh, and given to the poor? And one of the things that I want to point out is not everyone that's following Jesus has Christ's heart. You know what I mean? Like, so we need to, 
we need to really understand who we're following because there are people that are that look like they're following Jesus. They're proclaiming the quote unquote, they're proclaiming some good news. It may not be the good news or even Christ's good news, but they're proclaiming some sort of good news. Um, just like Judas, you know, Judas was there. He was following Jesus. He was present for most of his miracles. I mean, like, you know, Judas was around. Uh, and so he's like, should have been, uh, sold and the money given to the poor, but he didn't care about the poor. What he wanted was he was saying they should have sold it and gave the money, put the money in the money box so that he could steal Steal from from it it. later. Right. So picking up at verse seven, let's keep going. Seven, Jesus answered, leave her alone. It was right for her to save this perfume for today, the day for me to be prepared for burial. You will always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. Yeah. So, so we have this story of essentially there's multiple people in the room, but we have two characters we're looking at. We're looking at Judas and we're looking at Mary. Uh, and so Mary comes uh, and as she, she enters the room. So we have two, you know, two different people, Mary and Judas. We have two different hearts, a heart of gratitude uh, and generosity. And then we have an, um, a deceitful heart who's a self-serving heart. And the first question that we have as we look at, uh, as we start to navigate into kind of what we talked about on Sunday is, do you come to Jesus out of self-interest or serving interest? Are you coming to Jesus to be Christ-like or are you coming to Jesus to get things from Christ? Uh, and uh, I think that those those two approaches are huge, and that's what we see with Mary and with Judas. Um, and so what we wanted to point out on Sunday is that Jesus is interested uh, in us, but he's interested in a few things. He's interested in what we, we boiled it down to four things out of this particular story, the four things that Jesus is interested in. Uh, and so let's get into those, Justin. Number one. Yeah, number one, Jesus is interested in our attitude. Jesus is interested in in your attitude. Justin, what's your default attitude? Like, how do you approach things usually? Um, kind of like that. Um, <laughs> well, I, uh, that's a good question. I guess it, de- I guess it depends on what it is. You know, I, I like to think of myself and I don't know if it's a right view or not, but I like to think that I tend to view things more from a, I hate I hate to even say this because I hate when other people say it as from a real a realist standpoint, but pr- I would probably verge more if not realist if if that's not a real thing, um, more pessimistic than optimistic. Right. But not just for the sake of like complaining or being pessimistic. Um, it helps approaching it that way helps me of like look at things and evaluate them like think them through. Okay. If I just approach everything of oh it's it'll end up okay. Like then I don't have a chance to process the what ifs or to make, um, you know, preparations. If, if this doesn't go this way, we need to have this rate or I need to have this rate, whatever, you know what I mean? Um, you know, but I I don't generally let things get to me too bad. Like I'm not a, I'm not a worrier, right. You know, so that, that's always good. Um, you know, I, I've, (laughs) I've kind of always said this and it sounds, it sounds kind of cocky and arrogant, but there's no. a but there's a but there's a but to it because I feel like it's okay I feel like scripturally it's okay for me to be this way but it's like it will and it's very cliche too but like it will work out all right like I'm a winner and I will win 
winner. Like, and I don't, and I mean that from a, a stance of like how bad, even though something's bad, like there's people have so much worse. Like at the end of the day, sure. at the end of the day, it's going to work out okay for me. Like, right. like I've, I had a good job in 2010 that I got laid off from. Like that was bad. Right. But it worked out okay. I got a better job that paid better after that. Like right. at the end of the day, in the moment it's bad, but it'll be okay. Like, so mm-hmm. I kind of feel like I've always gotten my way, like quote unquote, gotten my way because even when something bad goes happen, it always turns out to be good. Right. You know what I'm saying? Does yeah. that make any sense? So, yeah. um, you know, it's like, so I've always kind of had this, I walk around with this attitude of God's got me. And maybe that can come across is like, you know, cocky or something. And, and maybe it should, maybe it shouldn't. I don't know. Like I just have faith that the Lord has me <laughs> and, and you know, like he, he called me, he chose me. Like, what am I going to, why am I questioning what's going to happen? Like he's got me, <laughs> right, like, right, right. you know? So I don't know. That's my general attitude is like, pretty easygoing you know there i can be moody sometimes that's kind of different i think you know right, I can get, right i can get moody i'm not always a morning person or you know sometimes i'm not ready to talk to people till 11 a.m you know or whatever right, you know right, but right, right. but um but yeah i don't know i don't know if that answers your question kind of yeah no no i mean i don't know that i was looking for a specific answer I, you know I, I my general attitude as i approach most things is usually one of indifference i approach you most things and a very indifferent attitude yeah i don't that's interesting yeah so um the however to that is if i'm in charge so if i'm having to make a decision based on the for example we're having to make tons of decisions based on buildings and all the things that's going into what we're doing here at tc and you know stuff like that like i'm i'm opinionated and i like i'm not indifferent about those types of things uh, but things that I'm not in charge, for example, like, you know, someone calls me and tells me that, you know, something like, I, I don't care. I'm trying to think of just a random thing. Like, you know, if I, if I were to leave here today and get in a wreck and I was okay, but my truck was totaled, I wouldn't be like, Oh, oh my gosh. Like, I would just be like, all right, well, we're going to need to find another truck find you know, some, let's go let's call the insurance, some insurance yeah. hey, like i'm just very indifferent i don't i don't let circumstances that i can't control eat me up about you know yeah well that's interesting because because since you said that it gave me a chance to think for a second going back to your question to me right you know so what you're talking about when you're in charge i uh i have a i have a hard time or i i have to keep in check because i'm in leadership here at our church but i have to keep in check um, with myself, this, I don't always, and it, part of it is my, my D personality on the, and my disc personality is, um, you know, you have to, you have to value the opinions of others. Right. Right. So you, a lot of times I don't necessarily value them. It's mm-hmm. just part of my personality. Right. And then you add to the fact what I said before about, I feel like God's got me. It's almost like, I because me and using this in this room are the senior leaders of our church, uh, other than sure. Pastor Dan. You know we're the senior, we're the decision makers, right? And then we have our trustees, but we're sure. the decision makers. If it was up to me all the time, I probably wouldn't solicit other people's opinions, which is not necessarily good, right? right because right. I have the attitude of God's got me, and it'll work out okay. 
my decision's correct or our decision. You, you know what I'm saying? You yeah, know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, totally. it, it's, it's my decision's correct. Um, and a lot of times, you know, and this is stuff you have to check because that's where like checks and balances come in of having things like trustees because at the end of the day, it's like I will rationalize even that. You know, it's like, well, the reason me and Brad are making the correct decision is because we have the context where everyone else doesn't. Right. They right, hear right. our side. They hear what's going on. We meet once a month and then they don't have context. So surely they can't make the a correct decision the way we can. Right. I, that's what goes to my mind. Yeah. And and I and I'm wrong, I'm incorrect. I think there's parts of that that can be correct at sure, times. Sure. But as a whole, I think that's incorrect. Um. So the the that's where the going back to the cockiness of that statement I think plays in is I assume I'm gonna make the right decision because God won't allow it to be wrong because right. he mm-hmm. he works everything out for me. Right. 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 You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So you where you approach from indifferent. I I usually approach. It's almost like a. I guess you could make the argument it's self-serving if you wanted to. Sure. And I don't view it that way. I'm not intentionally doing it that way. Yeah. It, but because I'm not soliciting or I may even seem frustrated when others give the opinion, it could appear to those people that I'm making decisions on what's best for me. And I'm, that's not my thought process. It's just I don't necessarily need your opinion for it because we got this. Right. Does that make sense at totally. all? Totally. Totally. And. That's just the kind of stuff that I have to keep in check. That's the like as pastors, you have to continually to try to be remain humble, you know, and yeah. understand that that's part of our personality too, which doesn't make it okay to be that way. So necessarily, so just yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I that's I'm, you know, I I took uh, I try to take a page out of Simon Sinek's book, um, not his little book. He is he does write books. Uh, the one where he was talking about when he either read or heard from, um. Uh, it was something that had Nelson Mandela and his father was a chief. I don't know if you ever heard, did you ever hear about that? So the, mm-hmm. there was a few things that Nelson Mandela learned from his father who was a chief in their village. And I don't know how to, you know, so maybe it was a community village. I don't know. He said there were two things he remembers very dis- distinctly from the experiences of being in the meetings where his father was the one in charge. One, they never had, they always sat in a circle so that he could never be at the head of the table. Um, so like there was never like everyone was looking to him for an answer. Like he created mm-hmm. essentially equality in people's value. Um, and secondly, he was always the last one to talk. And so it was like, it was one of his deals where he was like, he would let them all go on and on and on and figure out what they thought. And then, whenever they got to what they thought was the right decision, he would either affirm it or tell them why they, he thinks that that's not the right call and, and what they were actually going to do is this. Um, but he was always the last one to talk. And I, I, and I, I've actually been implement, I've implemented that into my own life and into my own leadership. Um, because I, the, I'm indifferent about the things that I'm not in charge of. Um, the problem is I think because, I can also be a very opinionated leader. I try to, I try to take a step back when I'm leading and let the team find where they're at. And then if I have to step in and say, no, I don't think that's a good idea. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But really, otherwise what you do is you create a bunch of people who are just looking for the head nod from you. Right. Which as we know, doesn't create great leaders, No. <laughs> which is a leadership podcast, not, Sim- not a church follow podcast. Simon Sinek. Simon a, Sinek is a gangster. Is on another level. Gangster folks. If you're not reading and listening to Simon Sinek, 
you're welcome. Okay, go do that. Yeah. Um, not right a, now. Listen to this, on, this podcast. But, on another level. <laughs> so, but all that to say, um, Jesus is interested in your attitude. My attitude typically be uh, tends to be one of um, indifference. Um, so I don't get rattled by a lot. Um, at the same time, I, getting down to kind of what I was leading into with that is – I also think that because I'm indifferent about a lot of things, I think sometimes if I'm not careful, um, I can be indifferent during times that I should be more compassionate. When I think about the heart of Christ, yeah, sometimes, um, oh yeah, that's me. sometimes that I can be so in I can I can be so indifferent when I'm not in charge, or so um, task focused when I am in charge that I miss the people, mm-hmm. you know, we have a, we have a saying around here, people over policy, you know, take care of the person. If, if it means going against policy to take care of the person, do it and then figure out what we need to do to maybe correct it later. What, you know, whatever, yeah. you know? Um, so we, we, you know, we say people over policy here. And I think that's one of the things is like, Jesus is interested in your attitude. You know, Judas and Mary both walked into the room uh, with two different attitudes. One was self-serving and mm-hmm. one was Christ serving. Um, and I think sometimes even in ministry, so for like some of you listeners out there, maybe even in ministry, sometimes we can be self-serving in ministry. So we're doing something for Christ. You know, Judas held the money box for Jesus and I'm kind of getting into next week's sermon, but Judas held the money box for Jesus. So he was actually doing ministry, but he was doing self-serving ministry. Right. Uh, and so, man, sometimes it, it's so it's it, it generally is about attitude, which boils down to a matter of the heart, um, which come back next week and you'll, we'll get to dive into more of that. But because uh, John twelve five, Judas said this perfume was worth an entire year's wages. Why wasn't it sold and the money given to the poor? And his attitude was not Christ serving. It was anything but, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, so but so Jesus is interested in your attitude. How are you approaching Jesus? Are you approaching Jesus because you feel like he owes you something? You know, I was uh, was telling someone this story last week, and Justin was there for it, uh, about uh, how how much Matt Chandler has impacted my life. Um, Mm -hmm. And the long and short of it is he experienced a very similar situation to one I experienced, uh, which involved an ambulance and, you know, following behind and the ambulance and getting lost and all these other things. But he found himself in a position uh, in his life where he wanted to leverage his life against Jesus. Like he, in other words, he was saying he wanted to say, God, if you'll do this, then I'll do this. If you do this, I'll never do this again. Like he wanted to wager. Uh, and he was saying, he finally came to the conclusion that he's got nothing. Like I've got nothing to offer. There's nothing I can, I've already said, yes, I've already given you my life. Like, I'm taking up my cross. I'm following you daily. I'm dying to my flesh so that I can become more like my savior. Like I've got nothing left. So you're either going to do what I want you to do, or you're going to do what you're, you're going to do what you want to do. And it's either going to be what I want it or it's either, or it's not. However, you don't owe me anything. And man, I think our attitude approaching Christ needs to be from a constant state of you owe me nothing. What you've given me is far more than I deserve. And so my attitude is a constant state of being grateful and being generous because that's what I've received. Mm-hmm. So that's a doozy right there. Doozy. 
That's a doozy. <laughs> like, so, so, yeah. I mean, that is. That's serious. It makes you it makes you look at yourself because I, a lot of us, man, I'm guilty of that at times. You feel like the Lord owes you something. Yeah. Like, because I serve you. Yeah, I'm entitled. But it's like, wait a second. Yeah. Skrr. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you can see God up there. You know, God, God's gotta laugh a lot surely there's some smh moments for him like yeah if he was texting something like yeah i mean him and jesus sitting up there like surely there's times where they're like cracking up right you would think surely surely i mean they gotta laugh a lot yeah like i look at these guys and like girls, they just don't know they just so yeah. If they only knew what we were trying to accomplish, you know. I can't wait to get up there and see all that. It's going to be a good time. Yeah. So so Jesus is interested in your attitude. Number two. Number two, Jesus is interested in what you hold on to. Jesus is interested in what you hold on to, right? And so uh, going back to John 12, 6, as we walk through this story, but Judas did not really care about the poor. He said this because he was a thief. He was the one who kept the many rocks and he often stole from it. And so we see that Judas uh, was holding on to, um, he, he had the opportunity to operate in a life of blessing, in a life of flourishing, in a life where he gave, but uh, he actually held on to the thing that could have given him life. And he, and Jesus is interested in what we hold on to. Maybe it's monetarily. So we, you know, we're talking about the flourishing life and part of that is giving. And sometimes when we talk about giving, we are talking about your finances and some people will never be blessed because they're holding on to what God is telling them to give. Mm -hmm. And since they're not giving it, they're not putting seed into the soil. Therefore, when there's no harvest, they're shocked going, I can't believe God didn't come through. And it's like, well, you didn't put anything in the ground when you had extra. You know, so mm-hmm. he's God, Jesus is interested in, in what you hold on to, but even time or joy or peace, you know, whatever, like you have opportunities to give, but I mean, the thing is, is because God has called us all to a purpose, like God, God has a, a, God has a desire for you to do something great. You listener right now, no matter what you've gone through in your life, no matter where you've come from, no matter if your family was always poor, or maybe you grew up in the projects, or maybe you grew up in a huge house, maybe your father's a CEO and, and you've been able to, to live a great life, no matter what side of the fence, or maybe you're somewhere in between that, that you're on, God has an amazing purpose for you and for your story and what he wants to do with your life. However, what you hold back back what you refuse to give him to do something with whether it's something financially or whether it's more of your time i don't want to give more i don't want to serve a church because i don't have enough time whatever you're holding back is the thing that god can't then in turn bless you with more of you need more finances like give what you have now i'm not telling you to bottom out your bank account today i'm talking about be obedient to what the lord tells you and what the bible tells you to give like so give give that and as you do look for how god is going to help you flourish because of it the problem is is many of us and this is even the the fill in the blank justin what's that what do you got there you'll limit you'll limit your purpose if you consume your provision yeah and man for so many of us we're consuming our provision We're, we're spending it 
Uh, we're spending it on things we love. We're spending it on things that we want to, you know, we want, like we, we want things or we want to buy new stuff for as financially, or God has given you an extra day off of work and you could spend that serving somewhere on a dream team somewhere, leading a small group somewhere. And instead you do, you're doing something that's completely self-serving <laughs> and it's something God hasn't called you to, which I'm, Oh, I'm number one. I'm not against rest. Like we, we have days that, you know, that we, we, we respect the Sabbath as, as pastors. So I'm not telling you that when God gives you a day to rest, that you should fill it up with something. What I'm saying is if he gives you ample time where you could be sowing that time into impacting someone else's life and you just use it to go spend another day at the beach or whatever, um, man, you really need to, to reevaluate what mm. you could be doing with some of your time. Cause we all only have one life to give mm-hmm. one life to live, one life to give. We could be doing something bigger and better than what we're doing right now. So don't limit your purpose by consuming your provision. Take your provision, whether that's financially. Maybe you have uh, excess finances. Give more than what you're giving right now to God and watch him give more back to you. But maybe it's time. Maybe it's talents. You know, whatever it may be. Man, don't limit your purpose by consuming your provision. Uh, Then number three. Jesus is interested in your worship. Your worship. Uh, Justin, you like myself, uh, you, are you a singer? You like, are you like, Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, what do you mean? Like during you, worship? Yeah. Like, no, I know. Like, like in general. D- yeah. Like, yeah. you're not, you, I sing bad, but I sing. I like, okay, yeah, that's what I, I wasn't going to call you out. I was going to let you yeah. do it. So I'm, I sing, I really freaking bad. Yeah. I, same. I'm not a, not a great singer. No, uh, I'm I, probably like one of the worst on the planet. Same. I sing really bad. I'm, I'm with you. I'm totally me and you. That's what. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I do like to sing, and I joke that if I could sing, watch out. Yeah, <laughs> I would be somebody. I would be. Some- <laughs> I love to sing so much. If I could, I would. I would. And I would kill it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I'd be somewhere. Yeah, belting so, it out. Yeah, I, I was. Uh, Karen was talking today about my Instagram story from baptisms, and she was like, "Fam, we could hear you sing," and I was like, "That wasn't me. That was somebody close by. It wasn't me." Because I was not in singing shape on Sunday, but um, yeah, I like to sing. Like I sing in the car and stuff. Like I, you know, I like music, and I have this thing with lyrics that I I I remember lyrics. Like yeah. you know what I mean? Like yeah, for for, sure. for every song that I've ever heard, almost I know yeah, the lyrics. You're just for. you're just that guy. Uh, yeah. So um, and not just lyrics. I don't know. I, I'm not very musically. Like I can play guitar a little bit, but I don't. You know, I can't like hear a chord and be like, or a note and be like, you know, that's a C or whatever. Um, but I can remember in songs like, you know, even like, you know, with how the guitar solo goes, I yeah. know it in my head. Same. You, yeah. know, you know what I mean? I'm with you. Yeah. So um, I just, I love music. I'm just not personally very talented at it uh, from that standpoint. But yeah, yeah, I like to sing, man. Yeah. I don't I- sing much on Sunday. Like during worship, I'm not like in sing mode for whatever reason. Yeah. You're in work mode. Not not always just work mode, but yeah, I don't know. I, I'm not like, I do sing along, like I sing, but I'm not like, yeah. I don't know. I'm a full, like, I'm in, I'm in worship. I'm championing the worship movement at our church yeah. during worship. Like if no one else in the room is lifting their hands, you know, you got one cause I'm up there. You know what I mean? Like yeah. if no one else is singing with you, it may not be great, but you know, you got one cause I am with you, you know? Yeah. So I hate I I love and hate new songs at church. Yeah, because I don't know it. Yeah, I'm like, what am I supposed to? I'm just 
I'm just gonna stand here because yeah. I don't know, you know. Clap, uh, just yeah. with the shoulder just, shake I don't, and the clap. I don't, but I also love new songs because you do one enough. Like I make the joke about the song we do all the time. Yeah. You know, I made the joke, or we were doing all the time, and I was just like, it, uh, "Oh, that song <laughs> again! It's yeah. back!" <laughs> so, it's like, "Oh, great!" Yeah, yeah. we we had not yeah, done that yeah. in at least six days. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, I I totally hear you. Yeah, because we talked about it Sunday, and because I'm I'm a, I'm a, when it comes to music, I'm a worshiper. Uh, I mean, I'm a worshiper, period. Um, and a lot of times what we, and especially new believers, when I say Jesus is interested in your worship, it's like, well, I do worship. Like I sing every Sunday. And it's like, yeah, but that's not really what we're talking about. Uh, we're, talking right. about we're talking about a life of worship. And you say, well, what does that mean? <clears throat> well, a life of worship is a life of giving, uh, uh, of surrendering. A life of worship is a life that exalts. Uh, and so who are you worshiping? Well, you can be worshiping yourself. You can be worshiping your money. You can be worshiping your your car or your house or your things or your, whatever. Your president. Your, 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 your politics. Uh, <laughs> you know. Throw that out there. Your, that's, a, that's, a, that's a real talk conversation. It is. It is. Um, your politics, your patriotism. Um, you, can, you can worship uh, a lot of things. You can. You can your religion. Your religion, you hey. can, yeah, that's very true. You can worship your religion. You can worship the person, sorry, you can worship the institution of your church more than the savior that died for it. Um, you could even worship your pastor. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so there, there, there are things that you can worship. And let me say that honoring those things isn't always a bad thing. Honoring the president, whether you agree with him or not, isn't a bad thing. Um, honoring your pastor isn't a bad thing. You know, honoring your spouse and your kids, th- I mean, that's, that's a good, those are good things. However, they don't deserve your worship. Jesus alone deserves a life of, uh, uh, of exaltation and uh, reverence. Um, and a life that serves, uh, him, you know, so, uh, when we say Jesus is interested in your worship, we're actually talking about a life of worship, not a song of worship. Now, John twelve seven, Jesus answered, leave her alone. It was right for her to save this perfume for today, the day for me to be prepared for burial. Essentially, Jesus was saying, stop chastising her. Cause you don't agree with it. She's worshiping me. Mm-hmm. Like she saved this for an opportunity to give to me. And so don't doubt her worshiping me just because she's worshiping differently than you doesn't mean that she's not doing exactly what she should have been doing, especially given the people that were chattering, you know, Judas is acting like a fool, but Matthew six twenty one, uh, for where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. So wherever your heart is, that's where, in this case, let's talk about finances for a second, where your heart is, that's where you spend your money. So I'm an eater. Bro. Justin is an eater. Bro, let me tell you something. Listen, bro. I've been eating at home more this month. Really? Yeah. Because Try, trying to save that money. Well, yeah, because I'm not going to say the amount on the podcast. Mo bunches of money you spent. Last month, when I realized how much money I spent on food. We got to change that. I was that. like, this is not, not going to happen. Unacceptable. <laughs> like Dave Ramsey would be disappointed. Dave Ramsey would cuss me out. <laughs> Like yeah, Dave Ramsey, what are you doing? <laughs> like I don't know what I was doing, where I was eating, everywhere. I, but 
it was, it was crazy. So I've been eating dinner, like it's stuff more at home. I've yeah. been cooking and stuff. And That's I've good. enjoyed it. Yeah. And I'm down. So, but you're a foodie like me. Oh, I love good food. So we, you know, we've spent money on food, you know. Um, but yeah, like it's, it's good. It's, a, it, it's good to have experiences that you love. The however is we shouldn't worship those things. No. Because no. where your treasure is. So going back to worship. People say, well, what do you, what pastor, what, what do you think I worship? I don't know that I worship anything. And it's like, let me, let me see your, your, your bank statement. Mm-hmm. Cause I can tell you what you worship. Just let mm-hmm. me see your bank statement. Mm-mm. You worship, you know, go back to Justin <laughs> spending however much money he did not tell us <laughs> on food, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, uh, you know, and I'm guilty of that. You know, I would say, I don't know that I necessarily worship food. But I, I love to have a good time and being in an environment where we're all eating. Like, I love being in those environments. I know you're the same way. Yes, I love being is, out yeah. and eating with people. And, you know, I love doing all the thing. What we probably need to do is start some small groups where we just do that at home. And everyone <laughs> brings some ribs or something. So, yep. <laughs> so yeah. but all that to say, where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. And so what is it that we worship? Where do we put our finances? Some people literally worship the idea of saving money more than they worship the idea of giving it away. Um, so what are you, what are you worshiping? Right. And that's the, that's the big question. And people say to us, you know, they'll say like, man, all, all you guys care about is money as pastors. All pastors care about money. I don't, I can't speak for every pastor. There are some money hungry pastors out there. I can tell you, I'm not one of them. I would tell you this. Uh, number one, the, we spend 95% of the time when we take up an offering talking about what we're giving away, not what we're trying to get. So even when we take up an offering at TC, mm-hmm. we're talking about, we're telling people where we're giving the money away to that mm-hmm. they give uh, in during worship by giving, you know, like, mm-hmm. so we're, we talk about what we're giving, not what we're getting. But even beyond that, it's just like, I don't care about the, I don't care about the money in, in, in out there, you know, listener, like those that give to TC, like I'm not here for your money. I'm here for your heart. Like as a pastor, I'm here to lead you well and lead you closer to the Lord. And your heart is part of that. Um, and so, man, we want to help get, continue to get people to a place where they surrender in their heart to the degree that they'll, they'll follow what Jesus tells them to do. And when they do that, it in turn transforms our heart. So when we focus on worshiping the Lord with our finances, um, by giving our tithes and, and our offerings, even with our time and our talents, what that does is the more we give, the more we find ourselves in a position of gratitude, which leads us to part four of this. Part four, Jesus is interested in your gratitude. Your gratitude. So it's about your attitude. It's what you hold on to. Right, it's about your worship, and it's about your gratitude, and so, man, it's about what you're appreciative for. You know, we we we've done it before. You know, but the idea that if I gave Justin, if I gave you a hundred dollars, I take it. I figured you would. Mm-hmm. But if I said, "Hey, hold on to this," and then I came back to you later and said, "Hey, can I have that hundred dollars back that I should hold on to?" You wouldn't be bitter about giving it back to me because I gave it to you to start with. When we're talking about tithing, what God does is he gives us $100, and he comes back later and he says, hey, to show me that you're grateful, 
I want you to give me $10 of that back. You can keep the $90. Just give me $10 back. And for some people, they're going, oh, I just can't believe you. I just unacceptable. I, you know, the money. And uh, it's like, yo, listen, God gave you all of that. He's only asking for 10% of it back. Like, because it's about gratitude. Like, it's about a life of gratitude. Um, and so when we think with a heart of gratitude and we follow him with a heart of gratitude, we're saying, listen, God, everything I have is yours. And you're just asking for a small portion of it back. Yes, our finances, but even our time and our talents. Like you're asking for a small portion of my week back each week to serve you by impacting mm. other people and making a difference in their life. Man, I'm going to do that because you've given so much to me. Like you, God, you're telling me that this talent that you've given me to do this thing. I mean, I'm going to give back. I'm going to give that back to you by making a difference in people's lives and doing X, Y, like, and, and even financially. God, you've blessed me with a job. You've blessed me with the income. You've blessed me with finances. I'm going to give back to you. And as I do, you're going to give back to me. And we find ourselves in a position where we're constantly grateful for what we have rather than being bitter about what we don't. And when we're constantly grateful for what we have, it changes our attitude. It changes what we hold on to and it changes what we worship. Mm-hmm. So if you change how you feel about what you have, then you'll change your attitude. When you change your attitude, you'll change what you hold on to. Because when you're grateful in, for what you have, you become generous in your attitude. Then you hold on to less by way of giving away more, which means you're now worshiping God in a greater way, which in turn means you have more gratitude, which means it changes your attitude. So you hold on like... So this becomes a circle, revolving circle of becoming more like Christ. And that is our goal. It's all about Jesus. So what do we do? We become more like Christ by changing our attitude, changing what we hold on to, changing our worship, changing our gratitude, which causes us to start all over. So thank you guys for tuning in uh, to another weekly follow-up podcast. Yes. Justin, tell them where they can find us. They can find us online, transformationchurch.com or on Instagram and Facebook at transformation pensacola hey guys we love you come back next week for another week another sermon another follow-up podcast don't forget to share like subscribe all that good stuff that please i'll tell you about we love you guys later see ya thanks for tuning in to the transformation church weekly follow-up podcast it would mean so much to us if you would subscribe like and review on itunes you get double points if you show us love by sharing it with your friends Don't forget, you can follow Pastor Justin and Pastor Brad on Instagram and Twitter at Justin Oswald underscore and at Brad Livingston underscore. You can tweet them your questions and comments or email them to us at followup at transformationchurch.com. For more info on Transformation Church, visit us online at transformationchurch.com and on Instagram and Facebook at Transformation Pensacola. We'll be here next week where we will help create context and drive conversation to learn more of what God has for us.